Uh, good old name, image, and likeness, or NIL as we call it, is a it's it's shaping the Pac-12 a little bit. In some ways, eh, people may not like it as much, but there is a definite upside for the league. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lockdown Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. I've been so appreciative of all of you who have done that already. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we've got my man Richie Bradshaw of Locked On Sun Devils on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm even just by coincidence, Richie, wearing a maroon shirt for you because overall, I, I think it's a pretty good morning for Arizona State after uh, a couple of days after National Signing Day has wrapped up. But it's been a minute since we've had you here on the show. It is great to talk to you again, my friend. It's always great to be on here, and I always feel even more welcome when you're rocking the maroon and gold with me. <laughs> well, I don't have any. I don't have any gold. We could. Uh... I'm gonna pretend. Okay, that's good. That's good <laughs> enough. But I, I want. That's an talk. awesome gold headband you're wearing. If you're on YouTube, you can see it. <laughs> yeah, people on podcasts, they'll, they'll never know. So. The NIL discussion is fascinating because I, I think it can shape a conference for better or worse in more ways than one. And I want to start with our mailbag question today from Jonathan Rodriguez. If you ever want a question answered here on the show, YouTube comments, Twitter, all options, get it answered right here on the pod. He asks, what are your thoughts on the dirty side of NIL and the transfer portal specifically? Now, he uses an unkind name for you. UCLA. So we'll just refer to it as UCLA. Specifically, UCLA, I know of one student who declared for the portal and within three hours committed to UCLA with graphics and all. How could this be done without reaching out before they enter the portal? So what, what he's referring to there without saying the word is what they call tampering. And tampering has a number of regulations at the professional level, but it doesn't appear that they are really there at, at the college level. So I, I, I do want to start with, with NIL and then we'll get to that, that tampering because those are distinctly different issues. People always say like, oh, NIL and the transfer portal. And then they get lumped together. It's like, no, 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 no. Just because you put peanut butter and jelly on the same sandwich doesn't mean they're the same product. They are distinctly different. So I want to start with NIL, Richie, with all the flips and all the wild craziness of National Signing Day. I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that one of the factors, and I'm not reporting this, I'm speculating here, but it, it seems that way as we've moved into this world and it gets crazier and crazier, that one thing that's leading to seemingly more high profile flips or last second flips is a school can come in that's had a relationship with a kid in the past and say, hey, if they're offering you this much in NIL, we'll offer you this much. And I do think that that is playing out on the recruiting trail. 100%. And it's it's just it's a new breed in the recruiting aspect that we have that we're still not used to. NIL is still so brand new to us. And there's so many different roads and avenues that 
we've yet to explore. And I, I mean, for better or for worse, it's here to stay. So people are going to have to find a way to get used to this. But there also needs to be a little bit more regulation with it because it does seem like there's a little bit of tampering involved. But can you really tamper with student athletes that aren't on actual like contracts with professional teams and whatnot? It's 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 really interesting debate because of how new it is and how many how many different ways you can go about it. So it's it's just it's fascinating right now. And like you said, it can really shape a conference and a, a university in more ways than one. I mean, you've seen the power that it's had over like Arizona State, for example, didn't have an NIL until really this last season when it was brand new. And all the guys that left the program for one reason or another, but a lot of that reason being NIL, but now with an NIL in place, ASU's recruiting again. So, I mean, it truly is insane how big of an impact it makes on you because kids are interested in making a little bit of cash for themselves and it, it's allowing them to stay in college a little bit longer. So maybe you're not going to see as many guys leave after their three years and then immediately go to the NFL and try and make a paycheck. Maybe now you're going to get guys who are willing to stay for the duration of their college period. So I think it's a good thing, but it it's definitely a very complex issue that, needs to be figured out sooner rather than later before it gets too out of control. And, you know, maybe some people would already argue that it is already yeah. out of control. I, I think a lot of people would argue that that it's already out of control. And, you know, what what I think, you know, people like our, our guy Jonathan here are objecting to is the way that a school just comes in and essentially buys a player, right? right. And, and that that term, buying a player, is not – it doesn't it doesn't sound great to people it has at some level always existed in college sports like th- that's you know worst kept secret people have been paid illegally Even for a, a long time right it right it, exactly Reggie Bush. I, I, I do think yeah great example I do think once you legalize it in a, in a sense with Nil it gets bigger even more so than it was before it's not really a new phenomenon so much as it is it's new for us. As, as outsiders who are not a part of those deals and those talks between coaches and players, it's it's new for us to know more information about it. And I think that always has a tendency to make people uncomfortable or, or uneasy because it is a shift in, in the landscape. And I certainly think, like a lot of things in college sports, frankly, like recruiting just as a whole, it benefits some programs more than the others. Like there is no school arguably in the country more poised to use NIL to their advantage than USC. I, and I, I don't think that anyone can argue that, right? UCLA is the second school in that city. USC is the biggest brand in, in football out West. They're in Los Angeles, which is entertainment capital, media capital, a lot of people, a lot of wealthy boosters at USC. I think the Trojans are certainly you know, in the best spot to capitalize on. I think other schools are are in a good place too, but – it's hard to look at the Pac-12 and say anyone could, you know, take advantage of it more than USC. And by the way, when when USC is already for more than one reason the villain of the conference, right? The the collective villain, the team that, you know, other teams like to root against the most. I'm sure you could have, you know, Oregon up there near the top, but I I'd argue USC's there. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm I'm biased on that front, but I'd be willing to bet that that I'm not, especially with USC leaving the Pac-12. 
I, I think it exacerbates that feeling as well, because now anytime a program like USC gets a kid who's high profile or flips the kid or gets a transfer, then everyone it's, it's everybody's baseline assumption now that, Oh, he just went for NIA. Oh, he, he, he just went for the money, but it's not as if guys who are coming to your program, whoever you're a fan of are, are, are not involved in, in those sorts of discussions at, at all. And I want your thoughts on that, Richie, but I want to remind all of you that drive, Driving high is considered driving under the influence. Not cool. That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every single state, all 57 of them in these United States. Even in states where marijuana is legal, driving high can get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell, Richie can tell, I can tell, everyone can tell. So what makes you think law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. This message paid for by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. So what do you think of that, Richie? I, I think that NIL kind of exacerbates on on the one side of things in the recruiting and transfer pool to front what had already taken place in college sports, which is it is advantage to big brands and big schools. And I mean, I, I just see it all over the place now. Anytime a kid goes to a big brand like this, well, you know, it's because they gave him the bet. Well, yeah, yeah. like that, that, that's that's just kind of what what this is now. And you don't have to love it, but to your point, you either get used to it or or you can't follow college sports anymore because I, I just can't see this going anywhere, even if even if it gets regulated. As a famous Billy Bean once said in Moneyball and in real life, adapt or die. Okay. You can love it or you can hate it, but it's here to stay. Yeah. And it's it's been here, like you said. You have the Reggie Bushes and the Terrell Priors of this world who were taking money and got punished for it before it was legal or legal. I mean, like, you, you know what I mean? It's not illegal. It's just not something that was very like highly sanctioned. How about that? Not yes, sanctioned. There you go. By sanctioned. The NCAA. That's perfect. Yes. And now it's out in the open and everyone is allowed to do it as long as you have the backing to do it. Obviously brands like Ohio state and USC have been doing this for a long, long time. Now the playing field is getting a little more even with allowing other schools like a Washington to be able to do NIL recruiting as well and pay, pay players. I mean, it's just right, wrong, or indifferent. It's here to stay. So you can love it or you can hate it, but it's not going anywhere and it's only going to get bigger. So it's just one of those things where, like I said, adapt or die, like the, the teams that aren't going to do it are going to lose very very quickly i mean like like i already mentioned earlier in the show with asu they didn't have an nil for the longest time last year 17 kids transferred out of the program the vast majority of them for nil opportunities and it hurt the team this year i mean now asu has their own nil collective and you've got uh, 30 kids that are coming in between uh, actual commits from recruiting day and transfers as well. And like some decent name transfers too, that are coming into the program 
But I can tell you right now that if the team didn't have the Sun Angel Collective for their NIL, they probably are not able to pull that much in year one of the Kenny Dillingham experiment. Like the NIL truly has a massive effect on the success that your college team will or won't have. So it's here to stay. I think that's just the bottom line is it, it needs to be a little more regulated. Sure. Because you still have some teams that are going to be getting an advantage over others, but it's just, it, it's one of those things. Like I know a lot of people, myself included, weren't a fan of the way USC went about it this year because it did feel like they bought that team. You know, Eric Gentry comes over to the defensive side of the ball from Arizona state. Jordan Addison gets paid more money this year than George Pickens, a pro player for the Pittsburgh Steelers, made in year one of his rookie contract. Uh, Caleb Williams follows Lincoln Riley. Like it, it was just part of the benefit of USC having a brand, having NIL, and having Lincoln Riley. When you have the mix of those three, you're going to be able to basically free agency bid for these guys. So there needs to be a little more fine tuning to the process, but it's here to stay. Yeah, and, and I think defining, you know, what that fine tuning could be is pretty difficult because you, you it's not like you're going to Congress here, you're going to the NCAA and trying to get them to figure it out. And let's just say their track record of I don't know, anything is spotty at best. So you you're asking that group of people to suddenly navigate this new space and figure out what do you want it to look like? What what is, you know, a positive interpretation of of NIL like what is a good situation and and who gets to define this NCA get to find that fans get to define that I think everyone's always going to have their their own opinions on on that front I do think you brought up an interesting point though because my initial reaction is well yeah you know USC is going to be able to get a lot of players and and whatnot and you know Oregon's in that camp and Washington as well and I think coach prime certainly you know those are the schools I think USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Colorado, probably the, the top half of the Pac-12 in terms of, you know, most NIL potential. And I don't think it's a coincidence that those are, you know, five of the top recruiting classes in the Pac-12. Colorado will, will climb higher once uh, Coach Prime has actually been there for a good amount of time. But I think you brought up an interesting point about, you know, some of the smaller schools like ASU can set that stuff up. And maybe, you know, legalizing it does help kind of level the playing field a, a bit because other big schools were doing it anyway and had the money to do it. But now it's easier potentially for smaller schools to get that money when it's being done through what is now considered a, a legal channel. Like, I, I think that's, I think that's possible. Thought just popped in my head as, as you made that point. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it's still in its in its early infant stages. But when I get to the other thing, and then we'll get to how NIL is uh, potentially having a positive impact on uh, the Pac-12. Um, the the second part of of Jonathan's question, you know, about a, a kid transferring and uh, you know already having graphics made and whatnot, and how can that happen? You know, had to have been made before he entered the portal. They, they do have big staff, so maybe it was a quick turnaround, but. One thing you've heard some coaches gripe about, and and I'm with the coaches on this, Richie, is mm -hmm. I, I think a bigger priority compared to, you know, figuring out how to legislate the NIL space, because, you know, if you put in a bunch of rules, people are just going to find a way to, to, to dodge them somewhere or another the way they did for a long, long time. But with the transfer portal, the, the amount of, you know, 
coaches or players reaching out to other players and trying to pluck them off their teams and tell them to come here and do this sort of stuff. I think there should be some harsh punishments for that. And I think they've taken a step here with these transfer portal windows rather than saying you can enter at any time you can enter in these dates and these, I think that's a good start, but I think you need to have some like harsh, severe punishments for tampering because it's hard to catch. But I, I think that stuff can get really, really messy really quick and it just makes it really difficult for for programs that are already struggling to keep kids on the roster in some cases depending on which school you're talking about to keep keep any sort of roster continuity if if you have kids who are you know texting other coaches when when they're not technically supposed to be or I, I don't know exactly what what all the rules are on that front but I, I I'm with Jonathan more on that front I think the Nil, kind of is what it is but i i think the tampering stuff's even more yucky where you have people saying like hey leave your school you know get rid of you know dump dump that program come to this one do that sort of thing. like i don't know there's rules there's rules against it in in the nba if you think it's ridiculous like professional leagues have, have gotten there and i think one day perhaps we will see some sort of adaptation from the ncaa on that front but i don't think that day is you know any anytime soon but i think they need to move on that front I do too, because it's starting to get to a point where you're starting to affect the purity of the game. Because one of the things that when I talk to like my my dad or some of my uncles about what they love the most about college, it was like the the amount of like school spirit that that these kids have and the loyalty that they would have to their program. And I mean, way back in the day, transferring was like so obscure and you had the you have to sit out for a whole year. These kids didn't have immediate eligibility. They had to wait a year instead of going directly from Arizona State to University of Southern Cal. They had to wait a year, and it just it, it affected them more than it does now where it's like more power to the player, which I'm here for, but it's, it's, it's just a much different landscape than it used to be. And it, with the tampering especially, you're going to start getting to a point where college starts to feel more like a transactional process than it does an actual like pure event that you get to watch these kids for uh, the duration of them going to school in order to get to the pro level when they're already making money and this, that, and the other kind of thing. So again, for like the hundredth time, right, wrong, or indifferent, NIL is here to stay. The tampering though is definitely something that needs to get touched on. Like you said, I don't know how quickly that's going to be fix this might be something we have to deal with for a little a little while now because there's so many gray areas for when the ncaa feels like they can and cannot step into a situation in order to rectify it but overall it's 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 just such a new and young process there's so many little things that need to be fine-tuned and one of the things you said earlier that i really like is this isn't like you're going to congress over it you're going to the NCAA over it, and they're not exactly known for handling situations in the best way possible. Uh, love your product, but there's there's definitely a lot of issues, I suppose, that are going to take a, quite a bit of time to figure out before this thing is perfect. And even then, it's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be those schools and those situations that kind of go under the radar or even just kind of blow up in someone's face there. There's a lot of work to be done for sure. 
There is an upside, however, to both NIL and the transfer portal, and it's playing out in the Pac-12 right now in in real time. All these changes, I think it could look very different in a couple years. Not entirely certain because I'm not a member of the NCAA as to what those changes and how the rules could be, but I do think that, that it's possible. However, here's the upside, Richie. Going into 2023, the quarterback slate in the Pac-12 is loaded. I mean, it's stacked. And this was, I talked about a couple weeks ago on the show, this is the best Pac-12 football season we've had in about a decade, like nine, 10 years. You'd have to go back to 2013, 2012, the last time you had this many ranked teams, this many really good teams in this high level of play. It's been really, really good. But look at who the major players were this year in contributing to that. Caleb Williams, transfer. And even without NIL at USC, which he's making a boatload. We don't know the exact figure, but like worst kept secret in college football, making a lot of money. Probably got a okay. hot tub in his hotel room. <laughs> dorm room, dorm room. Yeah, of course. So Caleb Williams, transfer portal, NIL at USC. Probably wants to go with Lincoln Riley anyways, a quarterback whisperer. Totally understand that. Michael Penix, Washington, nation's leading passer, transfer. Bo Nix, Oregon, transfer. Was in the Heisman race at one point this year. Cam Ward. Quarterback of Washington State, transfer. DTR is a homegrown quarterback prospect, right? He's kind of the exception there. Jaden Delora made Arizona more relevant this year. They pulled a big upset of UCLA, transfer from Washington State. Arizona State, it didn't work out, but they had a transfer there. Look at the Emory quarterbacks Jones. who are going yeah, – Emory, Yeah, Emory Jones. Look at the quarterbacks who are going to be back next year. Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Bo Nix. Cam Rising can come back, and I suspect he will. I don't think he's – I don't know why he wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know why he wouldn't either. I don't think he's you know got too much NFL upside. He doesn't have a great arm, still a great player. Cam Ward, Washington State. Drew Pine, who we know is competent, is going to Arizona State via the portal. Jaden Delora at Arizona. Tanner McKee, maybe he goes to the NFL. We'll see. But Dante Moore flipped to UCLA from Oregon, could be starting as a true freshman. One of the reasons, Sanders, yeah, one, one of the reasons, yeah, Shadur Sanders at Colorado transfer portal. So there, there is, I understand people were frustrated because I feel it sometimes too of like, man, this feels yucky. It feels gross. It feels sticky and I don't love it. But you look at that lineup, Richie, and I say, man, a couple of those guys, right? Transfer portal, but also, specifically, Michael Penix and Bo Nix, who are going to be back next year and will be great players in the conference as they were this year. Are we so sure that four year, three, four years ago, they don't go to the NFL because right. they can't get paid in college? That, like, That's the upside of NIL, is you have players who might otherwise say, well, I'm going to go to the league because I want to get paid. Well, now you can at least be making something, and maybe that's what they're looking for here. I think it's... I, I, I can't say for certain that it's the deciding factor, but I, it'd be hard to say that it's not playing a factor at all. I'm the leading passer in the country, and he's saying, I want to come back to college. And I think he loves Washington, and I think Bo Nix loves Oregon. But you can't yeah. – I, I just wouldn't buy that NIL is not in play at all. No, 100%. It has to be. I mean, because, like, here's here's one of the examples that I think of when it comes to NIL – do you remember the name Peyton Barber? I do. He's the running back at Auburn, for those of you who don't remember. Mm-hmm. He declared for the NFL early. And a lot of people were like 
shocked that he declared for the league because nobody really had a lot of tape on him. He wasn't like a full-time starter, but it came out that the reason why he declared was because his mother was homeless and he was trying to make a paycheck so that she could find a place to stay and get off the streets and everything. If he has that opportunity, he doesn't have to force himself to go to the league where he was like a fifth round pick or something like that. He has an opportunity to continue his college career, continue his education, still make a little bit of cash for himself and not put himself at risk of not getting drafted or anything like that. Because that was a real scare for him is, is this kid even going to get drafted? Now, obviously he did. Uh, He was able to make a nice little stint in the league for what it's worth. But there's a lot of other less extreme examples than that, where these kids will be able to play out their college careers instead of gambling on themselves, declaring for the draft before they probably should because they're looking to make money now rather than later, and then ultimately end up flat out out of the league before they're able to get going. Like There are some really good benefits to the NIL for the students, but also for the programs because, like you said, is Michael Penix really coming back next year after leading the league in passing yards? Probably well, lead, not. Lead, no, leading the country. Leading leading the right. country in right. passing. Like, show me the last time a guy who was draft eligible led the country in passing and decided to come back at a power five well-known institution like Washington. Right. I no, 100%. I yeah, it's, I can't I can't see that. No, not at all. But now you have that opportunity. And for the Pac-12 especially, the Conference of Champions, the conference that gets uh what what's a nice way to put this? Like just crapped on, I guess, <laughs> by the other conferences for being low-level competition because it's all about the SEC and it's all about the Big 10. Like now you look at the Pac-12 for 2023 and you're like, "Wow. Those are some talented teams." You legitimately in in a best-case scenario, you have what? Like one bad team in Cal. Other than that, I mean, ASU and U of A and Colorado can make serious strides with good quarterbacks and uh, coaching opportunities. USC and Oregon will be right back in the playoff hunt. So will Utah. So will Washington potentially. UCLA, if Dante Moore is able to take over right away, could also be a really good team. Stanford, who knows? Maybe they bounce back pretty quickly. There's a lot of really good teams in the Pac-12 right now, and NIL is at the forefront of the reason why. Yeah, and the transfer portal as well. I think both are making the league more competitive and more interesting too because one thing you want to have, you know, I talked about this when when Deion Sanders got hired at Colorado. If you're a program and you're not good, you want to at least be interesting or exciting in some way. And Colorado was just, a disaster this year. They won one game. They only played one other close game, and that was against ASU. They did ultimately end up uh, losing, of course. But Cal is in a bad spot because they're not that good, and they're not that interesting, and they don't have a lot of momentum. But the Pac-12 as a whole has a team like Colorado that still might be you know, only a 3-4 win team next year. Is there a more interesting 3-4 or four win team in the country in 2023, potentially than Colorado, maybe they win more than that, but everyone wants to see, well, when's coach prime going to get his first win? When is coach prime going to do this, that, and the other thing. And the storylines in 2023 for the PAC 12, you don't just want to have a good competitive league. You want to be interesting. You've got to get on teams and national media people's radars, 
right? You, you have got to, you know, have a reason for people to watch. And I think the level of quarterback play being elevated through the portal combined with the coaching hires that, that we've seen, and, and, you know, like take Arizona, for example, they, they weren't ultimately that good this year, but they scored a lot of points because they used the portal. They were interesting. Jaden Delora, Jacob Cowing, big parts of the offense this year. It allows for teams to make themselves more relevant more quickly. But I do think with the academic standard, standards at Stanford and Cal, I think it could start to get really, really hard to win at, at, at both those places. But I think the league is in a great spot right now. Is it a bummer USC and UCLA are leaving? Yeah, a little bit because, man, this league in 2023 might be the best year of Pac-12 football ever. I can't wait for it already, and we haven't even finished bowl season, and I love bowl season. I also love having my man Richie Bradshaw of Locked on Sun Devils at Richie Brads with a Z36 on Twitter, YouTube, and wherever you listen to your podcasts if you want ASU-specific content. Richie, it's always good to talk to you, my man. It's always my pleasure to come on and – talk anything with these <laughs> well it's it's always fun no shows monday or tuesday by the way i'm taking just like a, a small minuscule little break for for the holidays i hope you can forgive me i'll have a show up on uh starting starting on wednesday so merry christmas and happy holidays everybody thank you so much for listening see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day